Hey guys, welcome to our Sermon of the Week podcast. Today's message is from Nathan Herndon. If you're interested in partnering with us, check out our app, our website, for ways to give. Amen. Amen, guys. Well, grab your Bibles if you have them. Um, open them to Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 20. And then even, uh, I'm going to be in a couple places, but 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. Kind of put your finger there. Um, I want to tell you, just from the start here, here's what I'm going to do today. Uh, is I want to kind of prime the pump for what's been on our heart for Generosity Sunday. And I want to talk to you, just more word of a testimony. I'm not really going to be teaching through a passage necessarily. I'm going to be sharing a testimony about um, some of the really weird views that I had about, listen, I had about God and it was being expressed through money. Really hurt my marriage, really hurt my heart, really hurt people around me. And I'm going to be vulnerable here with you this morning. I hope that's okay. If it's okay with you, just, uh, you know, say something. Is that okay with you? All right. Come on. That's good. So I'm going to, be, going to be honest for a while, and then I want to just share with you uh, a few kingdom principles regarding finances, but really uh, regarding the character of God that really changed my life and changed my ministry. I think in some ways, I mean, you're going to hear some of these things. In some ways, this could have saved my marriage. Uh, but uh, I just want to share this with you a little bit. So I want to, want to, as we discuss kingdom finances this morning, it's not going to be a whole series. I'm speaking on it this week, then you hear from Jim next week, and then, then we'll be done. But do you know what? I had to ask God's forgiveness for shying away from speaking about funds because it makes people uh, a, a, little, a little weird. And um, it's in the Bible, and we have to be true to Scripture. So we, at least once a year, I want to open the Scriptures and, and talk about a biblical understanding of kingdom finances. So that's, I'm, I'm just doing it uh, the, for those reasons, okay? But um, I just want to share a little bit about my testimony. Uh, when, uh, when Providence first started over 15 years ago, um, I was a youth pastor. I was 27 years old. Um, I, I came from a school of thought in the Brethren in Christ denomination. I came from the, a school of thought, and I came from hearing lots of testimonies that money doesn't really matter. Um, that what, what really matters is that you basically just waste your life on Jesus. Now, I'm all for wasting my life on Jesus, but the school of thought that I was coming from was uh, your marriage doesn't matter, your kids don't matter, ship your kids off to boarding school. If your wife can't run with you uh, fast enough, just leave her behind. Uh, money doesn't matter. You don't need to plan for your future. It's, it's just about eternity, okay? And so that is, the, um, that is the school that I was raised in. And you know what? By God's grace, God works in a lot of different streams, right? Amen. Uh, but this was a stream that there was, there was some toxicity in this stream that was threatening my heart for Jesus for the long term. If you know the statistics uh, to how many pastors burn out or flame out or give up or want to give up, it is absolutely staggering. I don't know many professions where the turnover rate is more severe, okay? And so this kind of, I felt myself, even in my late 20s, being on this path where I'm going to absolutely destroy my life and I'm going to do it in Jesus' name and that that doesn't feel right to me, right? So I was operating in this un- unbiblical, unhealthy financial belief. Let me tell you a little bit uh, what that looked like. It looked like this. I-, I believe things like this. Money is not important. Just serve Jesus, okay? Those are the kind of things I would tell myself. And, and operating like this, um, I did not, when, when my wife and I got married, we were, uh, we were 21 years old. I was almost 22. And I did not make over the poverty level for about a decade, okay? So for about 10 years of my marriage, I did not make 
over the poverty line for a decade. Now, God really took care of us, but I really didn't care about finances. My wife would come and say, hey, Nathan, we really need this or we really need this. I remember one time we had a, uh, a hand-me-down sofa that we got when we were first married. It looked like the Easter bunny had an upset stomach and just vomited all over. It was just pastels. It was just this weird pastel kind of thing. It was absolutely horrid. I kind of, this was, this was me back then. I kind of felt more spiritual having an Easter bunny puke session sofa than, uh, than actually just a nice one. It wasn't comfortable and it got to the place that it was so broken that when you sat in it, you're almost on the ground. And my wife came to me and she said, Nathan, we really need a new sofa. And I, I kid you not, this is what I said. You got, you're going to hate me, but I got to be honest. I would say stuff like this. Adrian, that's my wife's name. I would say people all over the world sit on rocks. After she gave me the finger and then punched me in the face, uh, I, I, I was able to recover and then be able to actually buy a new sofa. But I remember another time our washing machine broke and, uh, and she said, Nathan, we really need a new washing machine. And I, I didn't learn my lesson the first time. Here's what, I, I pro, I'm not making this up, I promise you. This is the kind of messed up, this is the entrenched messed up. I was doing this, at, listen, out of a pure heart. I wasn't trying to be a jerk. I wasn't trying to be rude. Just genuinely and purely, I had these beliefs that, that I really believe that if we buy a washing machine, somehow it's unspiritual. And I told my wife, listen, I said, many women today, this very moment, are at streams washing their clothes on rocks. Then they're carrying them back on their heads. And here we are, we want a washing machine. All right? She pulled out a nine and shot me. All right? She uh, and it's a miraculous thing. I was resuscitated and everything. Really, really what was happening though is, is I was pulling out stuff and I was, listen, do you know, husbands, you know what you're called to do is provide for your families. And what I was doing is I was not taking care of my wife. And for some reason though, I thought that that was holy. So we've got all of these different, we've got all of these different ideas about what is godly when it comes to finances? Now, let me tell you this, though. We saw miraculous things, even in my uh, messed up view of finances. We saw miraculous things. There was one time we were living in downtown Chicago. Um, we literally did not have one. Gr Listen, guys, we didn't have a grocery in the house. Okay, I was a youth pastor and a worship leader at a church, it actually in Spring Grove, Illinois, and we were students at the Moody Bible Institute at the same time, and um, trying to make it work, but we didn't have a grocery, we, couldn't, we, we had no money to go get them, and so we prayed and we're crying and it feels weird, and as, honestly, as we say amen, we hear a knock at the door, it is, uh, we open the door, it is our friend Steph and Andrew Gray, and they come with tons of groceries, and they just bring them in, they just said, we thought we guys, you know, you guys could use this. I take the groceries. I'm, I'm, I'm half crying. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. And my, my wife comes up to me and she goes, be a man and give these back. All right. So you can see that my marriage was a straight, slight struggle. Don't laugh at that because I'm in trouble. All right. For saying that right now. But we were struggling. Like, when do you receive and when do you not? When do you like, what is going on? But we were seeing God provide for us miraculously. There was another time we did not have $2 to rub together. I remember I was opening the window in our apartment in Chicago. I knocked over a CD tower. Um, for those of you who don't know what that is, we used to, there are these things called CDs. You pop them in a machine. They play music. It's really interesting. Uh, but we used to store them in a tower and uh, about 50 CDs. I knocked over the CD tower 
50 CDs all over the living room. You know, when you're already tense and you don't know how you're going to provide and you don't know where funds are going to come from, it already feels bad. This just like those CDs on the ground. I'm just like, come on, God. I remember uh, the Passion album, Better Is One Day, just caught my eye. I bent down for no particular reason and picked it up and opened it. All right. I don't want to play. I don't know why, but there's two $20 bills in it. All right. And so we, I, it's just like, I really wonder, man, did, did an angel just come and say, hey, listen, we've got you. You're jacked up theologically when it comes to finances, but, but you're still loved. You're still a son. You're still a daughter. We got you. You're just on a journey. Right. And so we've seen God throughout our history provide for us. But just because he's providing for us doesn't mean that we're right. You got me? Just because God provided for you doesn't mean that you need to change or you need to, need to look at the Bible and actually divide it properly, okay? So, so this, is, this all was going on. I remember when, we, when I started, uh, when my wife and I started Providence at 27 years old, really making no money. I'm doing some electric work on the side. And uh, deep in my heart, I really believed that being blessed financially was unspiritual. I remember when we were trying to figure out what I'm going to be paid back in those days. If it was, if it was next to nothing. I, I, by this time, I had not made over $24,000 a year yet, Okay. And just really trying to figure it out, always feeling bad for being blessed. Okay, is, is anybody with me? Or, or is it just like, because maybe what I have to realize too is it's accentuated when you're a pastor. Because when you get blessed as a pastor, the mom's group talks about it. You know that? Did you know that? They do. And, and so does the dad's group. Or the dad's group, when you go out, they're like, well, you, they're, they expect you to pay because, you know, you're blessed as a pastor. But you're constantly on the stage and constantly evaluated, especially in South Central Pennsylvanian the theological realm, all right? Just always uh, assuming that pastors are rolling in it. Um, but listen, guys, they're not, you know? But, but you're judged for what you do. I remember the, the when I could finally afford, we have a couple of kids by now, when I could finally afford a minivan, I remember buying a 2011 Honda Odyssey from Greg Sonleitner, all right? And I remember just taking massive fire for that from my church. I remember I literally had to stand up in front of the church and say, guys, listen, I'm just trying to do my best for my family. Can you give me a break? And they didn't. You guys are much better than this. This is the new providence I love way more back then, all right? Do you, know, like, do you know what's actually most spiritual is when somebody's blessed and you can rejoice with those who rejoice, right? Yeah, and then somebody's hurting, and you not only feel bad with them, if anything that you've got to relieve it, you do it, right? And this is, you can't be a blessing to people when you don't have anything to bless people with, you see? So, so anyway, I, I'm jumping ahead of myself, but I remember we're driving a 2011 minivan, and it's, get, it's, it's quite the rage to talk about the pastor's new wheels. But you know what wasn't the rage? Is driving like, I don't know, my 2001 purple Plymouth Voyager that had the front two seats and then no seats, 370 some miles in it. I literally had to bring my running shoes for when it broke down often so I could run home. It's before I had a cell phone, all right? Nobody was concerned about the pastor's wheels then, all right? But they were concerned when we got blessed. Guys, all of this is shaping something where I'm getting, I, I've got, I've got weir, a weird view of finances. I'm afraid to be blessed. Honestly, what it comes down to is I was afraid of people and what they would think. When we got our first 32-inch flat screen TV, like I, we, we literally got one of these things that hides it so when guests come over, nobody has to see that. 
all right? Just constantly afraid. And, constantly, and all of this stuff is beginning to form in me a very horrible theology. Now, this, I'm Moody Bible Institute trained, okay? But in finances, I've got a theology that is absolutely atrocious, hurting my wife, hurting my kids, hurting my church, and hurting me. You can see this in, uh, in leadership circles. Back in these days, when my Plymouth, Vo- I think my Plymouth Voyager like bit the dust and now I'm driving like a, I don't know, a 2002 maroon, any car that's maroon, it just makes it worse. But it's a maroon Saturn with the, with the bumper hanging off. We had to like bungee it up and I'm driving to my, I'm meeting with a bunch of other pastors in the area and I'm driving this Saturn and then when I pull up, you almost get like, now that's a holy man right there. Let's get in here and pray. Yes, driving a Saturn. It's a man of courage, you know, you see like, but then I remember when the Saturn died, right? And we got it, we got it for free because someone in the church just said, hey, this is in my garage. Nobody wants it. I've tried to give it away for free. I thought you would want it. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. I'll take it. And uh, anyway, so when that died and we couldn't drive it anymore, um, I borrowed somebody's vehicle. It was a 2002 two-door BMW 323 convertible, all right? I was feeling blessed. This is a stick shift. I felt like the coolest pastor in town. All right, on the inside, on the outside, I wanted to act like I don't like it. It's not very nice. But I remember pulling up to a pastor's prayer meeting, and when they saw me, they didn't say, finally, thank God, you deserve that. I hope it's yours. They were just like, ooh, wish I was what? And all of the sarcastic jabs that you write off as being a joke, but are actually truth just started to just come my way. And I, I felt like, listen, this, this, this pastor thing is good. I, lo- I love Jesus. I want people to know Jesus. I, I want, as a result of providence being in existence, I want heaven to be full with people who, who love and treasure Jesus and have given their whole lives to him. I want us to change Hanover and I want us to change Spring Grove. I want, us, I, I want to see Jesus famous as a result of Hanover. But when it comes to finances, I'm weirded out, all right? Tired of being talked about, tired of just feeling, like, I I don't know if I can have a new couch, all right? Now, this is where I was. Now, so so I could keep going, but let me talk to you right now about some kingdom financial principles that I learned from the Bible that absolutely changed my life, where today I can say, listen, here's my new goal. I want to make as much money as I possibly can. And I want to give as much money as I possibly can. All right. I, I, did, I didn't originate that. That was Charles Wesley. That was his best, is the best financial advice I've ever heard. Make as much as you can, give as much as you can. Haters are going to hate. Don't worry about them. It's got to be you and Jesus and whatever he entrusts you. Listen, have the, be the kind of person that, you, that where money's not your treasure, so you don't hold on to it tightly. Hold on to it, loose hand. Say, God, you gave this to me. What do you want me to do with it? I don't own it. I steward it. You're my treasure anyway. Right? So Jesus has to be your treasure, not money. But I want to talk about uh, a few kingdom uh, financial principles that absolutely changed my life. And here they are. Do you have your notebooks out? Are you ready or do you just have photographic memories? Uh, Are you ready for this? Okay, here's the first one. Biblically, it is not spiritual to be either rich or poor. You hear this? Biblically speaking, you are not more spiritual if you are either rich or poor poor. Now just think about that for a second, because depending on what stream you're in, all right, if you see poor people, you judge them and you say, they're not walking in God's best. They're not walking in the fullness. They're not walking in this or that. All right. And so that, that's like, that's like judgment on the poor for not being wealthy. But if you're in another stream and you're, you've taken like a monastic vow of poverty, 
right? This literally happens in the church. Like uh, you've taken a monastic vow of poverty and you look at people who are rich, then you do the same thing to them. They must not be walking in God's best. They must be worldly. It's like this too. It happens in the church. If somebody's church really grows, you automatically say, oh, they're not preaching the gospel. Maybe they are better than you. Maybe their hearts are aflame with the gospel and maybe the Holy Spirit is present and we can't stop what's going on. But automatically, we begin to judge other people for their lack or their surplus or their blessings. You see, I want to tell you, biblically speaking, it is, it is not spiritual to be either rich or poor. Let me tell you, let me jump to where we're going because this is Philippians chapter 4. What is spiritual is contentment with Jesus in any and every circumstance. That is what's spiritual. Contentment with Jesus. Any and every circumstance. Paul says in Philippians 4, listen to this, Philippians 4, 1 through 11, he's actually writing to the Philippian church who's fallen on hard times, all right, about a, a financial blessing that he needs from them. And here's what he says in verse 11, Philippians 4, not that I'm speaking of being in need. So th that, is, that is not like, he's like, I, I, I'm, I'm asking for something from you, but I don't need it. Oh, well, this is interesting. Well, it's because finances are much more than just meeting needs. All right, listen to this. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content, for I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Listen, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. All right. Now that, my friends, is I, I'm talking about that is good, healthy, biblical spirituality right there. I don't have I don't have needs. God is enough for me if I am in lack or if I'm in plenty. All right. This is this is it. God's got me, whether I'm low or, or, or whether I'm soaring and sailing. And I think it's interesting for us to know in verse 13, I can do all things through him who strengthened me. We many times take that verse and we apply it to all kinds of different contexts. But you, we've got to understand that the context that this is coming out of is this context. It's finances. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That means I can face plenty or need and be content in Jesus, and my heart doesn't have to suffer. You hear this? Contentment with Jesus in any circumstance. That is actually a better look at your personal maturity in Christ. Now, remember I mentioned um, the monastics or the, the monks that would take a vow of poverty. And uh, I, I, I don't know many, many people these days that are doing that, like, like for real. But I do, knew, do know that in this area, in this culture, there is kind of like this vow of poverty that is imparted to generations. All right? And it's, it's, it's a person that's trusting their poverty to make them more pleasing to God. And that is wrong. Do you know, do you know that that is just as wrong as a person trusting their riches to make them happy? Do you know that? So a person trusting their poverty to make them pleasing to God, that is just as wrong as a person that's trusting their riches as their greatest treasure or to make them happy. Guys, it is not whether you're rich or poor, it's whether you're content with Jesus, all right? And so that, that literally changed my life. And do you know what it did? It, 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 made me, it made me free in Christ to provide for my family. My money's not my treasure. I'm going to, as a, as a godly man, I'm going to take care of my wife. I'm going to get her a stinking washing machine and a couch. Come on. 
and, and I'm going to take care of her. It does, having a washing machine doesn't mean that I'm living in disobedience to Jesus. Hello? So I had to part ways with a mentality that believed that, that poverty was spiritual. I don't know where you fall in that. Maybe you're at a place where you've actually been judging people uh, for not having funds. And whichever continuum, whichever side of that equation you fall on, really, listen, listen, we have to stop judging people by their, the, by their financial place in life. And we have to say, you know what, that person is a treasure of Jesus that they know how to excel and succeed in any circumstance. I want to be more like that. And that's maturity in Christ. So that was number one. That changed my life. Here's, here's number two, is that money is actually not bad, biblically speaking. One of the most famously misquoted verses in the Bible is that money is the root of all kinds of evil. Do you know that, that's actually not how the verse goes? Did you know that? It is a misquoted verse. Let's go there. This is 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses, uh, verses 9 through 10. I'm just going to read it. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 9 through 10. It says this. Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Listen. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Can I just draw our attention to this for a moment? Listen. Those who desire... Okay, this is a heart thing. What, whatever you put your affections on, those who desire to be rich. So people where the one thing in their life is to, I've got to be rich. God can be a part of my life. But the one thing, my one desire is to be rich. They fall into temptation. It goes on to say the love of money, not money itself, but the love of it, the treasuring of it, the obsessing over it. It being the focus and the, the central piece of your life. It's the love of money. It's the, it's the adoring it. Above everything else, it, it bossing you around, it keeping you up at night. It's the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It's not money itself. It's your heart's affections fixed on something subpar. That is the root of all kinds of evils. It's through this craving. See that word, that craving. It's, this, it's another desire word. It's, the desire words are worship words. Revival songs are desire songs. You know this? And it's that the greatest thing that we can say to God is, I want you, I desire you. I want you to be my one thing. I, uh, here's how we say it around here, is Jesus, I want you to be my treasure. But it's through this craving, this desire to be rich, this, this, this craving for money over God. It's through this craving that some have actually wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. Listen, that's how it happens. God, God lets you have what you want. If you want money, go on. Go off. The prodigal son learned it the hard way. My father's house is not all it's cracked up to be. I'm just going to go. I'm going to spend. I'm going to do my thing with money. But then it's, it's gone. You find out, man, my father's house was way better than money. So many of us have walked away, and today we can just come back. It's good, right? I want you to hear this, though. It's not money, but it's the love of money. It's the love of money. It's, what, it's if your heart is set, if the affections of your heart are set on money in an unhealthy way. Like, listen, the, 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 the way things work is we need to have money to, to provide, and we need to be wise with it. We want to plan for the future. We want to bless other people with it, all right? That, that's good. But when you treasure it, when you love it more than God, you're welcoming evil into your life. 
All right, so what is evil is when money, money becomes your primary focus and the desire of your heart. Do you know that uh, the same passage here, Paul says to Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 6, uh, verse 17, listen, just read down a ways, it says this, as for the rich in this present age, listen to this, there's going to be rich people and there's nothing wrong with that. There should be rich people, hello, all right? As for the rich in this present age, Paul's not saying, tell them to repent. He's not saying that. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty or prideful about their money, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. Riches can be here today, gone tomorrow. It's a, a, riches are a horrible hope. Your, your hope is Jesus. You're anchored to him. He's unchanging. The same today, yesterday, and forever. All right? He is your hope, not money. Money can change tomorrow. All right? So don't set your hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, listen to this, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Man, we miss that. If you've got any Baptist roots, read that again. All right? Listen, God has provided us with stuff to enjoy, not as our treasure, but as gifts from God. It's just like at Christmas, you're giving stuff, hopefully in a, in a healthy home, the, the people that you give gifts to warm their heart more to you because of the gift. And God's like, enjoy this. Enjoy the couch. Even enjoy the dishwasher. Be blessed. Woo! Right? It's from me. I want you to be happy. I want you to be blessed. But the moment that you start having more passionate affections for the dishwasher than you do for Jesus, that is when we start to get concerned. All right? Listen, if God's blessed you with a car, if God's even blessed you with a 2011 Honda minivan... Enjoy the thing. Drive it fast, all right? Just roll down your windows, put on sunglasses, all right? Revel in it, all right? Just say, Jesus, thank you for all your rich, I, I didn't deserve this, you gave it to me. I'm gonna enjoy this with all of my heart, it's from you. So the, the things that God blesses us with can actually become fodder or fuel for worship to God. What is, what is perverse is when we take the thing that God blesses with that was supposed to stoke fiery worship for God, and we begin to set our affections on the gift instead of the giver. That is the problem. But God actually wants to bless us, and he wants us to enjoy gifts from him. It's not wrong to be rich. You just can't be prideful about it or put your hope in your riches. Your hope is in God. You stay humble. You enjoy his gifts. You bless people. Man, this changed my life. Changed my life. Now, Here's one other thing, and I've got a lot of things to say. With my last few moments here, I, I learned that generosity blesses the giver most. You know that? Yeah, I agree with Steve. Steve said you don't give to get and stuff, and I, I agree with that. We're, we're not just, we're, we're not trying to bend God's arm. I, I trust God's heart. I don't need to bend his arm, right? Come on. But, uh, but the, the way that God has set up his kingdom is that, that generosity blesses the giver most. I remember when I'm sitting on, on the couch that I was afraid to buy. And we got a new one, it was green, all right? Much better than Easter Bunny colors, right? And I remember I'm sitting on the couch, I'm reading through the book of Proverbs, and I remember exactly where I'm sitting, exactly where I'm reading, and it's like a Holy Spirit dart went into my soul. And here's what it was. Proverbs chapter 11 Verses 24 to 25, then I'm going to include 28, but this is, this is it. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. 
Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. It is an upside down backwards kingdom. This is not what the world preaches. The, uh, the world preaches, look out for yourself. You know, who cares about, the, you've gotta be number one. And, and God's like, that is not how my kingdom works. You know how my kingdom works? It's when you give, you get blessed. You actually get more blessed than the people that are withholding for themselves. It's so bad, so frustrating to the world. It's gotta be, right? Well, I've been saving. I've been, I've been you know, strategizing. I've been trying to figure out how do I have less than the person that gives it all away? Well, it's called, it's called the kingdom. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers one. Listen, and here's the part that just revolutionized my world. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched and one who waters will himself be watered. Or the translation that I was reading in here that stuck in my heart is, he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. So we're not serving, trying to refresh others so we can become pleasing to God, all right? We're pleasing to God just as his sons and daughters by faith through Christ. We're not trying to bless other people so we'll be pleasing to God. We're, we're, we, are, we are refreshing other people and then, this is the way it works, getting refreshed as a result. It is just the joy of it, guys. It is just the kingdom of it. It is just the, the, the happiness of it. It is just, we have, we have found an otherworldly way to live in Christ. Whoever refreshes others will himself be refreshed. And then, then I, I, if we skip to verse 28 here, says this, whoever trusts in riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. Once again, it's an encouragement not to trust in our riches. You're going to fall, but to flourish in Christ as we operate according to his heart. This is an idea here. It's like a lake. I, and I didn't, I didn't learn this until later in life, but I learned that for a lake to be healthy or a pond to be healthy, you have to have a flow of water in from a stream or a river, and then you have to have a flow of water out. So you have to be receiving and giving. If, if you're just flowing out, the lake dries up. If you're just flowing in, it's going to get stagnant and toxic. Did you know that? It's just, it's just going to be in. It's just all about ourselves. We're not giving anything away. Even, even in creation, God has wired it that, that you, you give and you receive and that is how health flows in my kingdom, God says. Man, I get excited about that. I think one of the biggest, so these are some of the, uh, these are some of the truths that I'm learning that are changing my life. As I've been a pastor, here are some of the, the most, um, I don't know, off base biblically things that I've heard. And I'm not going to go deep into this, but I do want to share this. I've heard there's a lot of times when we're teaching about tithing, many people teach that there's three options for tithing and we, we do it uh, in, in three T's. We have to alliterate this because this is what you do in church, right? Right? There's, you can tithe your time, you can tithe your talent, or you can tithe your treasure. Right? Have anybody heard this? Right? So the misunderstanding here is that God wants us to tithe one of those things. Okay, and so you talk to people and, you, and they say, yeah, I don't tithe my, my finances, I tithe my time, I serve. Oh, great. Or you talk to somebody else who, who says, you know, I, I, don't, I actually don't serve at my church, I just put money in the offering plate. Oh, well, that's great, well, you got three T's, you choose from one. But I'm saying biblically speaking, listen, if for a church to be healthy, you don't pick one and get out your calculator and say, what is the bare minimum that I can do here? That's kind of Old Testament tithing, all right, and kind of figure it out. All right, that is, that is Old Testament and it's weird. God's calling 
for a generosity in all of this. Okay? A generosity in all of it. I think some of us have gotten ourselves off the hook that we, we don't feel like we have to, to give financially because we serve. We give our time. We share our talents. We don't have to give. We're off the hook, but that's not how it is in the kingdom. Imagine this. You know, in, in the context of family, imagine this, that uh, let's say that you're, you're a father and your kids come up to you and they say, Daddy, we really need food we haven't eaten in two days. And the dad responds and says, listen, I took you to the lake last week so we could spend time together. Wasn't that enough? And they're like, Dad, we love that. We love spending time with you. But that's not food. We need you to buy food. This is what we're doing in the church. We're like, no, no, I, I spent time. Like, I gave my time. I gave my talent. But, but there's, there's different things in life. And just because you did one doesn't mean that you don't do the other. So imagine this. A wife comes to a husband and says, hey, remember to fix that lawnmower. We got to fix that lawnmower. And the, what if the husband snaps back? Listen, I bought you a new couch and a dishwasher. All right? Like, listen, this, I, I provided for you. Get off my case about the lawnmower. All right? Once you get whacked in the face with a bat and then you recover, all right, you can continue this conversation and the wife can say, hey, listen, thank you so much for the couch and the, and, you know, and the, the washing machine. But those are different, different needs than fixing the lawnmower. I'm gonna need you to use your skills on fixing the lawnmower. Guys, this is, if this is family, all of it's important. Do you know, listen to this, let me get, let me get really vulnerable here. 14 families at Providence give over 60% of the finances of Providence. First of all, the 14 families, I just want to say thanks. What would we do without you, right? But I also want to just, just give a shout out. Guys, there's more. What would happen if all of us came together and gave what we could? We could pay this place off. Then you want to talk about funneling to missions, Right? I'm tired of the kind of Christianity and ministry and stuff where we're just trying to get by, trying to convince people, no, it's okay to talk about finances. It's in the Bible. And everybody's like, ah, la. listen, what if we all just came and we just gave with generosity in our hearts, trusting God? Like, would that be wild or what? This, who knows what we could do? Guys, the sky's the limit. Like, even to think about dreaming like that, to be a part of a church, we're, we're not just a bunch of people serve what they should, not just a bunch of people provide their talents what they should, but everybody, based on what they can do in faith, give. Wow. Wow. Man, that's a, that's a dream. Like, my dreams are getting more simple, simple in these days. Like God's given us 72 acres of land. you know that? Do you know that it's going to take faith-filled generosity to do what God wants on those land? I don't think that he gave us fields just for deer to eat on them. I think he wants us to impact communities in the world because of the 70 acres. We're never looking for 70 acres. We didn't have visions of grandeur, big, massive facilities. We, the, the, our dreams have been pure, but God has met us there and he's given us more than we ask for. And I'm just saying, guys, this is a great time to begin to say, hey, guys, God, I want to partner up with your heart and finances. I, I don't want to, listen, I don't want to lead Providence like I used to lead my family. Say, well, no, yeah, we can't, no, 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 let's stay, let's stay impoverished. Listen, we're not impoverished, but, but we're, we're making it, you see. We're making it, Providence. I want to seed above and beyond. I want next week to be a Sunday where we begin to, to go in a direction. Like our whole heart is changed. It's uncorked. 
We say, God, I, I want to operate in a, in, a, in a New Testament generosity. I don't want to get my, my calculator out and figure out what I need to tithe. I want to be a giver. <laughs> I've received so much from you, I want to give. I don't want to turn toxic just by receiving and hoarding stuff. I want to know the blessing of refreshing. That's what I want. Man, I, I just wonder, as, as, a, as a, a, a dreamer at heart, I just wonder, man, what, what, if, what, what would it look like for a church that treasures Jesus, not money, and, and not, not 14 of us get together and faithfully give, but all of us get together and faithfully give? What would that look like? How spectacular could that be? Like six-figure offerings to missionaries. I was just on the phone two days ago with Mark Stockland. Like, dude, they are in it in Haiti, guys. They're in it in Haiti. And I, I don't, I don't want to lose, lose touch with the world. I want us always to be engaged with what God is doing around the world. When they're blessed, we're going to celebrate. They just had to buy a $100,000 vehicle that was bulletproof just so they could get around town and serve people. Guys, it's a whole different world. But what if there wasn't somebody that could pay for that vehicle? Guys, we, we, God has lined things up in our hearts. And listen, he's, he's blessed you to be a blessing. He's not blessed you so you'll feel safe, first and foremost. He's not blessed you so you'll feel secure, first and foremost. Your safety comes from Jesus. Your security comes from Jesus. He hasn't blessed you so you'll be happy about what's in the bank account. Your joy comes from Jesus. You know that? Listen to this. Here's a verse that's been rocking me. I wasn't planning on reading this, but I can't stop reading it on my own. Listen to this. It's Psalm chapter four. It's not on the screen. Just listen to this. The psalmist says of God, you have put more, you have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. In other words, when he's watching other people have a bumper crop and a massive harvest, grain, wine, all of that stuff, which, which equals into a massive sum of money. The psalmist says, you know what though? That's great for them. But I've got more joy in my heart than they have because of you. That, friends, is the person that I want to be. That is the kind of church I want to lead. Our joy doesn't come from what's in the bank. Our joy comes from a man named Jesus who purchased, purchased us, wants to use us. If you're feeling stiff and stagnant here, I, I just want to say, hey, hey, begin to refresh others. Begin to serve. Begin to give. Next week, the, no pressure giving. I, I'm, I'm calling us. I'm compelled to call us. But if you can give 50 cents, like, it's not about the amount. It's about the heart. You know, um, now, what is that? Uh, I, I, I just lost a thought here, but it was, it was good. It'll come back here in a second. But guys, here's what I, I'd love us to do here for a moment is uh, I'd just like you to say, hey, God, put your dreams in my heart for the people around me, in my home, in my school, in my workplace, for this church. What are your dreams? I want to be a part of that. I want to calculate less. I, I, want, to, I want to be wild and refreshing more. You know, I do dream of this facility being paid off. I, I dream of the time where our finances won't boss around our dreams, but our God dreams will boss around our finances. Come on. I, I, I dream that every missional partner that we have at Providence, you hear what, listen to what Paul said to the Philippian church. He said this, I have received full payment and more. I'm well supplied, well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts that you sent. Here's what they are, a fragrant offering, 
a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. That's how I want our missional partners to talk. Hey guys, we received this gift from Generosity Sunday. We can't stop crying. I just wanna let you know that God's gonna take care of you. And we are so deeply blessed. We're so deeply blessed. When you're out in the field, you need a church family at home that is contending for you and for your hearts. That's why all of our groups at Providence, our community groups, if you haven't signed up yet to just stand with one of our missional partners, whether local or global, do today, guys. They need to know that there's people praying for them, hurting with them, being a liaison between what's going on in the field and here what's going on at home. This is so, so important. But I wanna be such a financial blessing to our missional partners that this is what people say. All right, so... um, Here's what I'd like us to do. I'd like us to stand to our feet for a second. I'd like us to symbolically just kind of put your hands on your heart for one moment. For a moment here. I'm just going to pray over this. Let's just pray this together. Heavenly Father, my treasure's Jesus. Any way that my treasure's been anything other than Jesus, I renounce that. I let it go right now. Take your rightful place in my heart. Take your rightful place. Be the joy of my heart. Teach me how to be content, whether I'm in plenty or in want. Now, I just, just hold your hands out like this to God now. So God, so we, we hold on to all your blessings loosely. Not ours, they're yours. However you want us to give, we'll give. However you, however you want us to serve, we'll serve. Whatever you want us to do, we will do. We don't belong to ourselves, we've been purchased with a price the blood of Jesus Christ. God, I just pray a rich blessing over these people. I just pray that you teach us the, the heartbeat behind giving. I pray for people that were bound up in, in weird theologies of finances like I used to be. Maybe you're hurting your family. Maybe you're hurting yourself. Maybe you're just always stressed and worried. I mean, you just can't figure things out. I just pray a release for you today. And I pray I pray that you would uh, abandon worldly philosophies of money and you would run to a father who wants to bless you this day. And God, I just pray that walls would break down in people's hearts today, that scales would fall off eyes and they would, they would see that, they, that they're, they're already pleasing to you because of the cross of Christ, not because of their, their poverty. I just pray, God, you break down some stuff, especially in this region, God. We just say, that you, we just say you have our yes God, help us to pioneer with generosity in this days. Gratitude, thankfulness, joy. God, we want, a, we want a joy to be uncorked here that makes the world around us confused in magnificent ways. So I just pray that into our hearts, God. I just pray a rich blessing on each one of these people. I pray for people who need financial miracles. Pray that you would meet them. Physical miracles, meet them. God, relational miracles, meet them. God, show your power in these days. Unleash your kingdom on this earth, Father, and may it all be glorious to you, God. We bless you. We're yours. You've got our yes. You've got our pocketbooks. You've got our credit cards. Just speak and lead us in divine strategies in these days that would bring glory to you. And I pray this. And bless you now, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for checking out our Sermon of the Week. If you have questions or would like to get connected, download our app or visit us at providencecommunity.org.